Jesus has a way of turning things upside down. And in this text, he does it quite literally. Turning the tables, making a whip of cords and pouring out the coins of the money changers. It would seem a little out of character, kind of like the song that we just sung, to find Jesus, the one who said, turn the other cheek, get angry like this. But he does. And he does this for an important reason, because he has something he wants to say and a point that he wants to make. And that is that the presence of God is not found in bricks and mortar, but in human flesh. This is significant. John's gospel makes it clear that the Jewish authorities didn't get it, nor did the disciples until long after Jesus' resurrection. But John, our gospel writer, spells it out for us. When Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, he isn't talking about his literal body. Excuse me, he's not talking about the literal temple there in Jerusalem. Rather, he's speaking of his own body, of his death and his resurrection. Jesus is drawing attention to the incarnational quality of God's love. God is fully present here and now and relates to us in tangible ways. This Lenten season, uh, Janie and Richard are leading us in a Lenten journey, and we're reflecting on Barbara Bound Taylor's book, An Altar in This World. In the book, Taylor reveals how she has learned to encounter the God who doesn't live in church. That's how she talks about it. In this case, we might say, encountering the God who doesn't live in the temple or isn't just in this one place. Through an appreciation for spiritual practices as basic as walking and carrying water and even getting lost, Barbara Brown Taylor calls us to question conventional wisdom that says that there's a clear distinction between the sacred and the secular. The world is full of altars, she says. The world is full of altars for those willing to welcome the truth that comes to them in the flesh. Jesus is making a very similar statement here in our text for today. That God is present, present in, tangible, in tangible ways, not just in the temple practice, but in the ordinary experiences of our lives. Now, God has always sought us out. God has always wanted to be in relationship with God's people in very intimate and personal ways. And we heard that again if we were listening carefully in the text that David read, the text that contains the Ten Commandments. It's revealed not in those thou shalt not statements, but in the preamble, the opening sentence. I am the Lord your God, the one who brought you out of Israel, out of bondage. This is a God who intervenes on our behalf. This is a God who cares about us. This is a God who liberates and understands this is a God who is for us and meets us right where we are in the nitty-gritty of our lives. 
This is a God who is in relationship with us. What follows then in the Ten Commandments is a response to that goodness. We're asked to put our trust in God first and foremost. Lent is a time for us to recommit to that very thing, to give our lives again to God, to turn our lives once more to God's care and to God being a priority for us. The Ten Commandments are rooted in that proclamation that God is first. Because God is, we are. And this is how we are to live our lives. All these things that follow, thou shalt not have any other gods before me, thou shalt not make for yourself an idol, thou shalt not use the name of the Lord in vain. All these things are relational when understood this way when reflected back on that statement that I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. The Ten Commandments are relational statements and therefore transformational statements. We too often think of the Ten Commandments as uh, prescriptions for our lives or transactions that we are to make. If we do this, then God will love us. If we do that, God will care for us. If we do this, God will bless us. But the truth is, in that statement, I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. God already loves us. God already cares for us. That's implicit in that opening statement. God is not exercising a transaction here. God is offering to transform our lives. And we see it in the ways in which God throughout history has transformed situations and people as well. And we're invited to respond to that good news, to reciprocate God's love because God is loving towards us. And love changes lives. It changes us, and we in turn have an impact on the world, acting in love. With that perspective, the Ten Commandments become a sort of mission statement for God's people. They root us in God and provide us with a clear direction in how to live our lives in the world. They shape our identity. God is good. We see ourselves in relationship to a good God. We're created in God's image. We are good as well, and so we respond eager to live faithfully as God requires. Now Jesus had clarity about that himself. So much clarity that he goes into the temple and he makes it plain for those gathered there. Announcing it through his actions, turning the tables, making a whip, calling their attention to God who is present to them, not in the sacrifice they're about to make, but in their very lives and in his presence. The temple cleansing in John's gospel appears very early in the second chapter. Compared to where it appears in the synoptic gospels, it comes much later. It appears at the end and is one of the reasons that Jesus is crucified, we're told in those gospels. It's used against Jesus 
But here it reveals something about Jesus. Jesus is revealing something. And John uses that story to help us see the same things. John does that several times in the opening to the Gospel. Opening with the words, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's a type of announcement. And then John the Baptist makes an announcement. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John goes on to say very quickly that this is God's Son. And then we have the wedding at Cana where Jesus turns water into wine. Another kind of announcement. Here is someone with unique abilities and power. Jesus is a bringer of unimaginably extravagant gifts to humanity. It's revealed right there in the beginning of the Gospel. And then we have the cleansing in the temple. A pronouncement that God is present in a unique way in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' life is an acting out of that I am the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt. Jesus embodies that goodness and that relationship. In Christ, God continues to relate to the world in direct and intimate ways. Those who were there that day didn't quite catch on. They couldn't comprehend what God was doing in Jesus. But as the Apostle Paul says in our reading for this week, it sounded like foolishness to most of them. But to those who were called, both Jews and Greeks, Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul then goes on to say that God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness stronger than human strength. As followers of Christ today, we are those called to proclaim that good news to the world in word and in deed and to embody it, to embody those words that God's weakness is stronger than human strength. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. We are called to live our lives in obedient response to God's goodness, to believe in the power of God, to exercise change where change is needed, to trust God to empower us to be agents that change the world right before us, right here in this very city, to trust in God to give us the courage to stand for justice, to speak truth to power, and to imagine alternatives to poverty and homelessness and corruption wherever we see it. Jesus spoke prophetically about his own body, that which would be torn down and that which would be rebuilt in three days. But God's love and God's relationship with the world would not be impeded. The incarnation would continue. God would continue to be available in and for the world. And our lives are to bear witness to that truth. Today, we are the body of Christ and members of it. And with that role comes great responsibility. For like Jesus, we are called to take a stand for what is right, to work for justice, to turn the tables 
when life is threatened and the glory of God is denied. Today we're asked to find our identity in God and to participate in God's work in the world. To make God the priority again. To seek God in ordinary places and to embody Christ's transforming love ourselves. With God's help, may it be so. Amen.